0: Welcome back to Crusta in the Afternoon. I am Gary Machuta sitting in for El Crusta. And, uh, you know, the insanity we live in today, uh, It's you find all sorts of very strange, odd things, like someone who is a Catholic, who believes that every person is made in the image and likeness of God, yet be pro-abortion. Or you could have an atheist who thinks the only value of human life is because it's a complex, evolved organism, yet they might be pro-life. You know, how... How do you uh, order, properly order, all these ideas and uh, thoughts? And to do that, you need real philosophy. And that's why I'm really pleased to introduce our next guest. He is Father Robert Mettee. He's a member of the Maryland Province of the Society of Jesus, a professor of philosophy and theology, and he is a member of the National Ethics Committee of the Catholic Medical Association. He's the host and producer of a fantastic program called The Catholic Current via the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network and in iCatholicRadio.app. And he's the author of a fantastic book that I've been really enjoying. It's called Real Philosophy for Real People, Tools for Truthful Living. And Father Robert, welcome to Crest in the Afternoon. Thank you so
1: much, Gary, for the invitation. I'm looking forward to our conversation today.
0: Oh, yes. Yeah. So, well, uh, you know, I, I thank God for meeting you because uh, in our last conversation you mentioned your book. And I got a copy. And, Father, I have to say I've been giggling all the way through your book. This is a fantastic uh, book. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. What's, I wonder what makes you giggle. Uh, it's just it's so practical Uh, so you you take uh, philosophy but you really do bring it down to a very accessible thing that ordinary people can uh, understand
1: well you know this what I have written in the book is is battle-tested over 20 years uh, in the classroom with lots of unwilling freshmen and, and sophomore who got stuck taking a philosophy class or two. And rather than focusing on what do I want to say, you start with who is my audience? What can they hear? What can they remember? What can they understand? What do they need? And then in that small space, what do I want to put? So if you have a sense that you've been lied to, that things are not quite right. If you're the parent of a very bright older child, maybe a homeschooler, someone getting ready for college, and you want to equip them with a an intellectual multi-tool that will be your BS detector, that will train you to be a ninja against relativism, then this is the book for you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you do a fantastic job. And that's what I love about it. It's so approachable. You can tell that this has been hammered out through personal experience.
1: Right. The, the, the book is, is uh, very deliberately crafted. It took entirely too long for me to write, but I, I polished it and polished it. And one of the best compliments I received was from my Jesuit friend, Father Joseph Fesse, who said, no sentence is, is out of place. So this is my, my very best effort to get people to become philosophically aware so that they have with them at all times a portable lie detector and truth detector
0: yeah and and that's exactly why it's important. I know a lot of people lay Catholics when they hear philosophy, they're immediately turned off as something that's for the highfalutin you know ivory tower type people. but really everyone's a philosopher
1: well, whether people know it or not they they have a philosophy they they have some sense of right and wrong, they have some sense of what's true and false what's real and unreal. And what I want to do is challenge that to look at your untested assumptions and then build on a bedrock that has endured the test of time. So this is not really my invention, it's rather my discovery of the classical Western uh, natural law tradition that's fully in harmony with, with Catholic faith.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So well, let's ask the larger question: What is philosophy?
1: Well, the the classical definition is that it is the the love of wisdom. Uh, wisdom is the principle that organizes everything. Um, if it doesn't if you don't know where you're going it doesn't matter how you get there but once you recognize as a human being that you have a place to go and the place you have to go is to go to the source of truth truth beauty and goodness that you were made for then you need to orient your life your inner and outer life your relationships your community your aspirations your thoughts your feelings your appetites desires to your one goal that's what wisdom is philosophy is the love of of wisdom, and this book, real philosophy for real people, cuts away from all the theories and and distractions and the the nomenclature and verbiage which people generate in order to get tenure, and says, look, here are the tools you need to cut through the thickets and live a life worth living, and then have a, a destiny worth having.
0: Yeah, so it's uh, basically uh, integrating like all all your different beliefs into a coherent whole.
1: Right, it it really is is about coherency and and at the start of the book I I see you know it seems that human life is very puzzling. You know, we're physical, but we're not just physical. We're rational, but we're not just rational. We're free, yet we have duty. On and on it goes, and it's really hard to keep to integrate all of those. So usually people forget about some or emphasize one to the disadvantage of all the others. And real human life is learning how to integrate those all together, and that organizing principle of gathering of all of human life in terms of what human life is for, That that's the foundation for wisdom. And there are a lot of powers and principalities in this world, including those that are not of this world, that want to distract us from that goal, which ultimately is God, of course, and to distract us with illusion and seduction and addiction. And the, and the book, it gives you the equipment to push past all of those.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It always amazes me at the, the amount of tolerance that we have for holding incompatible beliefs. You know, I, I, I love the uh, example you had of, uh, who was it, David Lee Roth's video, uh, gigolo video.
1: Yeah, I'm just a gigolo. <laughs> a from the 80s, yeah. And,
0: and I, you break that apart and show, yeah, that's, uh, you know, there are certain things that follow from some of the presuppositions in that video.
1: Right. You know, one of the ways that, that I, I ask students to evaluate an invitation or a proposition or a claim is... Does it help us build a moral house in which we want to live? So in, in that, uh, that video from David Lee Roth, uh, we're just bags of nerve endings and appetites waiting to be tickled and fed. And the greatest good is, is friction against another warm body. It, do we really want to say that's all there is to life? Is, is that what all of, of God's grace and revelation and creation is for, is this the intelligent, is this the, the, the world we want to bequeath to our children? Well, no. So then let's find out. We obviously want to do better. We can do better. We should do better. Let's find out what that better is.
0: Yeah, yeah, very good. And ultimately, um, it's uh, you're drawing a pathway, right, from where you are right now to where you ought to be. And uh, right. so, yeah, the ultimate goal isn't, like you said, to uh, just be with another person and and have physical contact, we're made for a lot more than that.
1: Uh, you know, I, I remember you know, living in Washington, D.C. In, in the 1980s, and the very popular bumper sticker was, well, whoever dies with the most toys wins. And I said, no, no, whoever dies with the most toys is still dead. Right. <laughs> <laughs> And can't take any of that stuff with them. So what does winning mean? Well, if you know that death is not final, even if death is final, the idea of dying with the most toys, you know, someone like Marcus Aurelius uh, wouldn't wouldn't accept something like that. So given what we understand about human nature, that we're not satisfied in terms of truth, beauty, and goodness by anything that the world can offer, no human being can honestly say in this life, you know, it doesn't get any better than this. Because we were made for better, how can I integrate my whole life and my relationships and my civilization to make it easier for me and my neighbor to achieve our, our human vocation, which is delight with God?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, uh, you know, it, this, uh, and again, that's why I was giggling through your book, just because the clarity and wit that that goes throughout it. Because it's so commonsensical, when you read it, it's, why don't people see that? Why? I mean, we all interiorly know that this world doesn't satisfy our deepest desires, but it's almost, uh, you know, but we kind of brush that inside in favor of the shiny things of life, you know, material goods or what have you.
1: Right. right. I mean, human beings have always been easy to distract and beguile, but our contemporary culture with our our infinitely flashing electronic portals uh, gives us more access to more addictions and more illusions than than ever before. I remember when I first started teaching about thirty years ago and I had my ta-da at the end of my ethics class and this one student said, "Well, I think I need to go home and yell at every adult I ever met and say Why is it you didn't tell me about this? I'm 20 years old, and I'm learning it as a sophomore in college. My life could have been so much better. I could have made better choices. This is all so obvious. Why didn't you tell me? Mm
0: -hmm. And I think
1: that's part of the tragedy of our times. Again, I haven't made any new discovery. I've just put it together in light of contemporary challenges and issues. This uh, natural law tradition even though it's rooted in Rome and Athens and Jerusalem, it's thoroughly human because its origins are thoroughly divine. It really is the heritage and the destiny of of everyone. There's an urgency to communicate this, and our tragedy in these days is we're not telling people about this.
0: Yeah, and I think a lot of people don't tell people about it because they themselves don't know. You know, they were poorly catechized and educated. Right, right. Alas, there, you know, we we have to con- we we shouldn't
1: confuse being schooled with with being educated. There are yeah. a lot of people who spent a lot of time in the classroom, and and really didn't have their their hearts and souls and minds properly formed. And so it's never too late. So regardless of of your age, I think you can pick up this book and profit from it in some way.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, j- just a quick question. When would you start instructing people in wisdom? I mean, if, if there's parents listening out there, when would be an age-appropriate thing to start forming their child?
1: Well, as, as soon as... Well, from, from, from the beginning. Yeah. From the beginning. You know, from infancy, you, you let the child know that he's loved and that he's safe. And then from the time of the terrible twos, he's got to discover that he's not the center of the universe. And then you cultivate moral imagination, and you build from there.
0: Yeah, very good. We're chatting with Father Robert uh, McTeague on Real Philosophy for Real People by Ignatius Press. More to come on the other side of the break. You're listening to Crest in the Afternoon. And welcome back, everybody, to Cresta in the Afternoon. I'm Gary Machuda, sitting in for the great El Cresta, and we're talking with Father Robert Mateague about his fantastic book, Real Philosophy for Real People, Tools for Truthful Living, put out by Ignatius Press, and, uh, Father, wonderful introduction into philosophy. And um, you, you start at the beginning, and then you just continue to go deeper and deeper into three subjects of ethics... Anthropology and metaphysics. Maybe could you explain a little bit about why those three particular spheres and what's important about them?
1: Well, I, I do something that's very anti postmodern. I, I talk about foundations mm. and I talk about clarity and firmness. Uh, metaphysics is not what you see in the Barnes and Noble section about tarot card reading, it's an attempt at a systematic, comprehensive account of the real. Uh, What are the ingredients of the real, and what is the real in in relation to time? And then we build from there. Well, there are some things that are real, and one group of things that are real is the human person. So I call that anthropology from anthropos in Greek, the the study of, of the person. How is a human being like and like other things? How is the human person an animal and not just an animal? And Mm -hmm. then ethics is the art and science of evaluating human behavior in terms of ought and ought not what is good for human nature, what is consistent with human nature, what is worthy of human nature, what is unworthy, what is unhuman, what is anti-human. And what you find is that when you make a moral claim, whether you know it or not, you've endorsed the anthropology and you've endorsed the metaphysics. And when you show people that when, for example, you endorse abortion, you say really horrible, alarming things about human nature and about reality. And if you don't want to endorse that whole package, then you need to reconsider what you say about abortion. That's one of the techniques I use for when you hear something that's erroneous. You say, do you want to endorse this reality that, that you've just described, that you've bought for yourself? If you don't, let me present you some alternatives.
0: Yeah, yeah, very good. Cuz they're all interrelated, right? Uh what you believe about God affects what you believe about the the value and uh intrinsic uh worth of a human being, which affects how human beings ought to live and be governed.
1: Yes, yes, that that's right. Um you know, I would tell the students pull on the thread and 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 you get the whole rug. And and that becomes important to have all all of those pieces fit together. into a coherent whole. And and in a certain sense, you can think of my book as the catalog of the different ways there are of being wrong about human (laughs) life. And actually, the the number is surprising Surprisingly small. There are infinite variations, but the basic categories of error are surprisingly small. And once you say, no, that doesn't make sense, that doesn't make sense, well, here's the thing that makes sense that human beings are made from God and for God. We're a composite of body and soul. We're individual and we're social. And we need to build individual and communal and civilizational lives that lead to human flourishing and and that's that's the only path that we can walk on to get to any place that's worth going.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and uh just from listening to your description, you think of the world today in general and you know, that system has seems to be broken down and ignored because you have all this insanity out there basically. Right, you know, the, the, uh, Confucius said that beginning of, of wisdom
1: is to call things by their their proper name. So, mm. for example, in San Francisco, when you know twenty five cars surround a luxury store, running through the doors, walk out with armloads of equipment uh, and merchandise while putting bear spray on on the employees, and then we're told, oh no, don't call don't call that looting, call it organized robbery. Well, even if you call it non traditional <laughs> shopping. It's wrong. Yeah. When you look at that on the news or you look at, you know, a Black Friday Walmart opening day at five AM, you have to point and say lots of things have gone wrong before people can be that thoughtlessly wicked. There has yeah. to have been a family a failure of civil society, family life, church guidance and an and educational enterprise All these have failed to get to the point where we are now. This book helps you to clear away the failure and say, "Look, let's look wide-eyed and and open-minded and and open-hearted to what human dignity promises, what it affords, and what it demands. And then we can begin to organize our individual family and communal lives accordingly.
0: Yeah, and and I, I love the book because uh, you can really tell that you are an instructor. And, and in ways, instructors are on the front lines. I mean, the students are going to challenge you. Uh, they're going to push back. And so you have to come with some effective techniques to get your points across. Like, for example, one example would be uh, when you uh, basically would say, well, what if I take your glasses? I think you said to a student. And just because I can, you know, what would you say in defense?
1: Right. right. I, 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 a wonderful uh, religious sister had asked me to speak to her, th- her, uh, her eighth grade class because they, their definition of freedom is you get to do whatever the heck you want. So they confuse <laughs> freedom with license. So I walked mm-hmm. into class and there were two kids in front and I said, can I have a look at your glasses? And I said, they're mine now. And I know you can't object because your definition of freedom precludes that. And, and uh, do you want that and worse to happen to you every day for the rest of your life? No, of course not. I said, well, that's the world that you bought and that's the world that you will make if you endorse that definition of freedom. Congratulations. Do you have buyer's remorse? Yes. Then we need to have a, a definition of freedom that precludes that kind of abuse. Yeah, and and you and that's why it's real philosophy for real people. My late great mentor, Doctor Paul Weiss, said philosophers let theories get in the way of what they and everyone else know. <laughs> you know, even people who are absolute relatives, uh, who are absolute relativists, mm-hmm. uh, say, uh, you know, they object if you take their wallet. Well how can you do that? You know people who say life is an illusion know which uh which extension to call if the if the bank has missed direct deposit.
0: <laughs> True. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's a uh, yeah and uh and what you do so well with those examples. Obviously uh, you know what believe about reality what you believe about anthropology what you believe about ethics that's that has weight so when you choose a position there is a price tag that goes along with that and i think a lot of people right. just don't realize the price tag
1: Right. it it, it, is, it is a package deal. And sometimes people want to have it both ways. They'll say, oh, you know, uh, I'm a really good Catholic kid. Otherwise, my grandmother will disinherit me. So, you know, I believe in soul and heaven and Jesus is a nice guy. And, you know, I'm a moral relativist and I'm okay with abortion and contraception and gay marriage. And, oh, by the way, I'm a science major, so the only thing that's real is matter. And then you know I've trained an 18-year-old to to dismantle in about 10 minutes. This is why your position is absolutely incoherent. Your ethics, your anthropology, and your metaphysics preclude each other. So your your life is based on irrationalities. Good luck with that. Nothing good can come from that.
0: Yeah, and if other people buy into that, yeah, right. And if other people buy into that. then you're going to be confronted with those same ideas applied to you.
1: Right, right. You know, I I have a a, a dear old friend who claims to be an atheist, and he's he's, he's also a very moral man, and I would say to him, I said, your ethics requires my metaphysics. And and then he he, he just kind of smiles and and, and doesn't want to to move in in, in that direction. It turns out uh, creation really is a very orderly, beautiful, inviting place. And then we decide to act contrary to its nature. I I don't often quote the philosopher Ayn Rand, but she did say, you can avoid reality, you can't avoid the consequences of avoiding reality. And what this book helps you to do is brush away all the invitations to unreality and for you to focus on your compass and map and companions and tools to get you to where reality wants you to go.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, um, it, it's funny how uh, you know human beings are funny animals that we can stow away things. Uh, yeah, w- your point's very well made. You really don't find a consistent atheist out there. The good atheists are the bad atheists. They don't live up to their metaphysics.
1: <laughs> right, right, <laughs> and, 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 and you know when you're dealing with a relativist, every every human being has some non-negotiable position. Find out what that is, and lean on it, and lean on it, and eventually you'll find a foundation underneath it, and, and then you say, "Okay, now let's identify that foundation and see what we can build on it, and see if we're standing on, on the same, uh, on the same foundation." No, no one can live. As a relativist, and no one can consistently argue uh, relativism. So, you know, I would I would present this to students in class and say, "Oh gosh, Father, you know, I I can't wait to go home at Thanksgiving and talk to Uncle Fred and Aunt Mildred and cousin Bernie, and tell them what I what I've discovered. I knew they were wrong. So all those times you read something and hear something and say, I know it's wrong, but I can't put my finger on it. This is the book that will help you to put your finger on where it's wrong, and then how to offer an alternative."
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Especially this is so timely, you know, coming up with the holidays where you have the Aunt, Uncle Fred and Aunt Mildred who uh, they're going to do their tirade, you know, and pontificate on what they believe is true. So you, you need to be, to have your house in order and be able to spot bad thinking.
1: Right, right, and and, and this. You know, just as as you you look out the window and you see your bird and you don't recognize it and you look it up in the Audubon Society, when you hear something that doesn't sound right, you can find out precisely, you say, aha, oh, look, the, he, he's got a relativist ethics and he's got uh, a reductionist uh, uh, anthropology and a materialist metaphysics. That doesn't work for all these reasons. And here's how I present the alternatives in a way that he can understand.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's, it just takes some effort and some clear thinking and uh, just work through your text because I have to tell you, Father, I've been doing apologetics since the early 1990s. And uh, man, this book is so needed today. Um, I, I wish I read it back then. And so I'm really glad that it's out <laughs> on the market.
1: Well, I, I'm I'm so glad to to be a, a service. Pray for me. I'm about to sign a contract, another contract with Ignatius Press, a book on Christendom called "Christendom Lost and Found: Meditations for a Post-Post-Christian Age," and um, I'm hoping that will come out in the spring. But I should be uh, signing the contract any day now.
0: Oh, wonderful, wonderful! So that's also coming out from Ignatius Press.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah, very good. Uh, And, uh, man, I I tell you, Ignatius Press is smart to have uh, approached you for that book and this book as well, because, you know, just looking at culture, it just seems like we're having this meteoric drop into insanity. So we need to, have, like I said, have our house in order and learn the stuff in this book.
1: Well, you know, I think Ignatius Press makes available to people not only the things that would stop our progress off the cliff, that can
0: help turn us around and get us where we need to go. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so, uh, yeah, fantastic stuff. Uh, so, Father, where can people go to get a hold of a copy of this book?
1: Well, ideally at your local Catholic bookstore. Uh, Also, you can go to Ignatius.com. It's available in a Kindle version and a paperback version. And if you like the type of of thinking that you heard today or that you find in the book, uh, I I host uh, The Catholic Current every day. Hmm. It's available uh, via the Station of the Cross and the iCatholic Radio mobile app. Awesome. Every podcast platform you can think of.
0: Excellent. Well, Father, thank you so much for coming on cresting the afternoon.
1: Glad to be of service. God bless you. Good work,
0: Harry. Have a good day. Thank you, you too. And that's Father Robert McTeague. The book is Real Philosophy for Real People. Need to pick it up, folks. Great, great book. We'll be right back.